Welcome to the NCTM podcast. My name is Steve McCormack. I'm the communications director of the NCTM. And today we're looking at math teaching in the four school years from years five to year eight. This is the focus of a national Maths Hub project this year with participation from local work groups in most Maths Hubs across England. We'll come to that phrase work group a little later to find out what that means. But first of all, let's uh, hear from our two guests, which are at the heart of this project and they're with me here now. Firstly, Alison Hopper, one of the NCTM's assistant directors for primary maths and until very recently a full-time primary teacher herself. Alison's been involved in shaping this project nationally. And also is Robert Wilne, who currently, among other things, teaches maths in an all-through school in London and who is leading one of the work groups in this project in London. So, first of all, Alison and Robert, the word continuity versus the word transition. We've We've heard about transition for years, haven't we? There's been efforts made to, to deal with transition from primary to secondary school. But you've chosen to use the word continuity and you've chosen to, to look at four school years rather than just six and seven. So why is that, Alison? I think in terms of continuity, it's looking beyond just children making that change from a primary school to a secondary school. The pastoral transition is 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 under control, I think, in an awful lot of places. There's a lot of work that goes into that and in ensuring children are happy and settled and know where to go on the first few days and all that sort of thing. The reason we've chosen continuity is that we're more focusing on the curriculum uh, con continuing from the end of Key Stage 2 through into Key Stage 3 and that there's a continuity in the mathematical diet that the children experience in terms of the pedagogy um, and the way that maths is taught to them. So I think that's where the phrase continuity comes from rather than just transition. Robert, your take on that question, the, t the continuity versus transition? A word like transition it implies there is going to be change, there's going to be possibly even rupture. And so partly we wanted to use a word which was a, an, an unfamiliar word, a different word to what many people talk about, to make them stop and think. So continuity, consistency, uh, with people I'm working with, I'm talking a lot about progression, making them stop thinking about it being a time of change and start thinking about it being a time of, of smoothness. So... Um we are going to be talking about fractions particularly in the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes or so, Alison. But uh, across the country, all of these work groups looking at continuity are going to be doing it through the lens of various areas of maths. Is that right? That's right, yes. Um, there's, uh, there are two, two parts to this um, project across the country. One is uh, where schools of, and work groups and schools within the work group are focusing on multiplicative reasoning and that's picking up on a project which has run successfully in the past and has now been adapted to fit this year five to eight continuity uh, project. The other schools are have a bit more freedom in what they choose to focus on. Um, one of the reasons was that we could start to look at aspects of teaching for mastery, which is becoming much more prevalent in primary schools, and we're wanting to move that into secondary schools and build on the good work that's going on there. So some schools are picking up on a pedagogical area, such as the use of manipulatives and representations. Some are picking up on slightly more um, on the areas of reasoning and problem solving. But other schools are, or other work groups are looking at key areas of the curriculum, so fractions being one of those as well. But everywhere focusing on the common factor of 
continuity of learning through those four school years. That's right, continuity of learning. One of the one of the key outcomes of the project is to improve teachers' subject knowledge and teachers' knowledge of the curriculum. So to improve primary school teachers' knowledge of what happens in Key Stage 3, especially in years 7 and 8, and to improve secondary colleagues' um, understanding of what happens in primary school, the expectations at the end of Year 6 and how that's built from Year 5. And Robert, we'll come to fractions specifically in a moment, but still generically, what are you trying to find out? What do you think these projects are trying to find out rather than just do? Certainly within the group of schools I'm working with, we're, we're starting actually what you might say at a slightly more simple level than what Alison just described, which is the structural barriers. So exactly as Alison described, many primary teachers don't understandably know where the maths they are teaching goes to in Key Stage 3, and in Key Stage 3 the teachers don't know where where, where they've come from. Uh, we often talk about there being a sort of 7 to 8, sorry, 6 to 7, that's some holiday, being a bridge from primary to secondary. Uh, a, a, a slide I use, an image I use is of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, shrouded in fog. So you have people on one side going to the other side and and the people on one side don't know where they've come from the people on the other side don't know where they're going to so one thing we're trying to work understand is what where does that fog come from and how can how can we blow the fog away so looking at sort of just straightforward structural issues such as does every as it were destination secondary know where its feeder primaries are or know where its main feeder primaries are actually how many year seven eight teachers have sat in a year six lesson, have looked in a year six book, it's, it's very straightforward to pick up uh, the year six scheme of work and go, oh, I see they are studying fractions in year six, right. But until you've actually looked in a book, talk to a year six child, talk to a year six teacher about how they learn about fractions, it's very hard to know what exactly what ex, sort of experiences uh, experiences of, of learning uh, you are building on when, when they join your secondary. And similarly, for a primary teacher who's never sat in a key stage three lesson, never looked at a year seven, year eight child's book, to know how they need to set the pieces of the jigsaw together so that that child can, can, can build on the learning from primary going on to secondary. So fractions is, is, a, is a good context because obviously fractions is something that children experience in pretty much every school year from year one to year 13. <coughs> Uh, it's also an area where many teachers in both phases have, they would admit, you know, perhaps after, perhaps late of an evening, their subject knowledge is perhaps not quite as secure as they'd like it to be. Um, and it's a very good area in which to ex- look, as I say, look at those structural barriers that perhaps are, are getting in the way of the knowledge being shared from one phase to the other, of the knowledge progressing, the, the continuity of knowledge across the primary, secondary phase. OK, let's let's now hone in on, on fractions because... Um, this might help us uh, illustrate some of the generic points we've already made. So four school years of teaching, one would hope in any subject an awful lot would be learned in those four school years. So what is your, what are your images of where within fractions a child should be taken in those four school years? Do you have a clear, or is this part of what the project is trying to find out, a clear idea of what should be taught in year four and how should that be developed, sorry, year five, and how should that be developed in six, seven and eight? Alison. I think through the through the curriculum and through the um, the work that goes on in primary schools, they do. There is a clear picture of what we should be doing and there is a clear progression. I think, though, what um, underlies that, I think if, if what we're trying to do through this project is to say that, yes, you've got to cover these objectives from the primary national curriculum, 
But what you also need to know is that by the time the children go on into key stage three, the focus on fractions is different. Fractions isn't a topic in its own right in key stage three. Fractions are numbers in their own right and they need to be handled um, within the other aspects of the number curriculum. And so I think what it, what we're hoping through through the work on fractions and therefore through the work in other areas is that primary uh, primary teachers understand what um, foundations they're laying in order for children to progress through key stage three and the same the other way around that the key stage teachers who are teaching in key stage three are aware of the learning that's happened in primary school and where they may have to acknowledge that perhaps okay we're not quite where we need to be in order for us to do this next step so we need to put something in place or we need to remember that this is the representation they've seen these are the visual images that they will have seen to support their understanding so robert what would be the fruits if if schools really got this right as you've just been explaining uh what would be the real fruits of year five six seven and eight teachers really being aware of what was going on in the other school years and the other phase for children a, a good starting point would be to have what you might sort of perhaps call a conceptual map of understanding fractions. I mean, if you, if you if we extend it slightly beyond five to eight, just sort of from the beginning to the end of, of learning math in schools, fractions quite rightly start off at a very early age as being fractions of something. Uh, you know, even even in, in uh, early years, they have to know about doubling and halving. Uh, so these fractions begin as a, as, a, as a thing, an object cut up into equal parts. Now, we have to get to the stage from there, from that very concrete experience of fractions to the very abstract idea of fractions. I mean, ultimately, in A-level, being 1 over x, but certainly sort of prior to that being 1 over 3 as a number on the number line. So at some point, that the, the, the transition has to occur, from, by which I mean it's a conceptual transition, from, from a fraction of something to a fraction being a number on the number line. You know, what is, what is a third a third of? Uh, and that's an experience. That's not a single lesson. That's an experience which children have to have over a number of years, experiencing perhaps first of all in primary and then having that reinforced in secondary. Um, and I think for teachers to realise that they are, every time they they do a, a they have a lesson on fractions, they, they children experience fractions in, in their lessons, They are that, that's what they're trying to achieve. They're trying to shift the children's thinking from a, from, from a concrete or pictorial representation of fractions to ultimately abstract representation, abstract understanding of fractions as being something on the number line. And that, that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen in one go. So that, that happens and then you go back to the concrete pictorial, then you make it a little bit more confident with the abstract and you go back to the concrete pictorial, which is exactly what Alison says. It's so important for secondary teachers to know what models, what representations uh, the, the, their learners have been exposed to, have experienced in, in primary. And in particular, uh, a, a really straight, a really simple thing is uh, if and a little 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 test you, you people can do with with their colleagues. If if you say to somebody, "Draw me a half," pretty much everyone will draw you half a pizza, and they'll draw sort of cut in half. Uh, Alison's nodding. Good, I'm relieved about this. <laughs> and then you say, "Okay, draw me another half," and they'll draw you a square and they'll cut it in half. Then you draw me another half and they'll draw you a line and cut it in half. And you can keep going for quite a long time before someone draws you very tentatively two objects and puts a circle around one of them and goes, is, is that a half? And then you sort of encourage them and eventually they might draw four in a circle too. I.e., 
us teachers, we are sort of our instinct is to think of fractions as being fractions of one, what one object, fractions of a whole, and we don't think automatically of fractions as being fractions of a group. At least many, I mean, and I include myself in this. You know, many many teachers don't think of automatically fractions of a group, and therefore neither cost to the children. So, so. So if we're in secondary, sort of, and we're saying draw a half, and we draw a pizza and cut it in half, whereas actually the children have been very used in primary to drawing six apples and, and colouring three of them green, or eight bananas and, and peeling four of them, then then that's that's not that's that's a conceptual discontinuity, a, a conceptual inconsistency, which of course is just going to throw them because they're going to sit there going that's not half, a half is four bananas out of eight. What's that pizza doing there? Or of course vice versa, and and I think it's those that sort of dialogue that needs to be happening so that when the teach when the face at the front of the class changes there is commonality there is consistency of language and drawing of what, what the voice says what the pen does in front of the child okay just mind your banging of the table please robert because that's that's being picked up sorry no that doesn't matter alison uh, we still understand what you're saying alison you were nodding vigorously so can you um just put your nods into words please um, yeah, well, I was agreeing was... What, with, with what Robert was saying, obviously, but um, I think that's it's really true that when you've, and I've done it many times, draw me a half or draw me a quarter, and the representations you don't get are the quarter of a set of objects or the quarter as a position on the number mm. line between zero and one. Um, and those are things that, that, that do throw the children Um and I think it, it's I, I, I'm thinking about it recently. I think children re- really need to understand the anatomy of a fraction in as many different contexts as they can. And so that that ability to transfer their understanding of a half to being a half as a a number in its own right, a half as a part of an object and a half as a, as a set as, as a proportion of a set of objects is really important. And and. If we are if we are inconsistent in our use of representations and we muddle the two up, and I think that's also possibly something that happens, that your own understanding of a fraction is very clear to you. It's not always the understanding that the child or the class sitting in front of you has. OK, let's bring in the third uh, participant in our conversation now because uh, uh, Nikki Ashton is joining us on the telephone, an experienced primary practitioner uh, who is... Uh, the primary maths consultant in the London borough of Wandsworth, but also uh, working with the London South West Maths Hub. She's going to be leading one of the work groups in this national project later on in the school year. So, Nikki, first of all, you've been listening to Robert and Alison uh, for 10 minutes or so. J- staying with fractions for the moment, what, what is your take on the importance of this continuity uh, across these school years being firmly in the teachers' minds? Yes, well, I think, you know, we see that um, teaching fractions, we can, we can jump around. We've got a national curriculum that tells us in each year group what we should be doing. Um, and there's a need to build on that all the time, not not build on it in, in a secure way so children are moving on in their understanding, using what they've um, learned before, and taking taking that deeper, taking that further, rather than constantly going back, um, backwards and uh, and re- repeating themselves. I mean, as a as a local authority consultant, we hear a, a lot about um, year six children, you know, who go off. They've they've learned, prepared for their SATs. They've studied hard. They've been very successful. They go into year seven. And they'll come back to visit their year six teachers sometimes and they'll say, oh, we're just doing what we did last year. We're doing what we did in year five. Um, We know this now. 
we know also that sometimes there is a perhaps a, a, not always a deep understanding required for children to move on, but actually there needs to be some kind of um, acceptance or um, realization that children, what children have been doing at primary, what they are familiar with, what they're um, confident with, what they're able to do, what they're used to doing in terms of representations, and building on that as they go into secondary. Um, and I think familiarity or consistency, some of those words that uh, Robert Nelson's been using, that is what enables children to move on in their secondary maths learning. Um, I, I, there was an example, uh, last, last year we were uh, in a year with, with a Kise 3 department looking at ratio and proportion. And it was really interesting the questions they asked at the beginning of their topic that were inaccessible to our year six children because of the language that was used. Um, because of the problems they set, they were they were unfamiliar with that, and they weren't able to access it. When we reinterpreted those problems and used the language that we used in primary, there was an ah moment. Ah, oh yes, yes, this is how you calculate it, and they were able to access it. And then and then the year seven teachers were quite surprised by actually what the year six children knew. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Um... Let, let's just divert briefly into this uh, idea of the work group, because as Alison explained, this is a national project being run uh, nationally by a, a, a small team uh, from the NCTM and a few Maths Hub leads. Uh, but it, it manifests itself in what we're calling work groups at all over the country. Most Maths Hubs, most of the 35 Maths Hubs are engaging this in this and this work group idea. So, Robert, first of all, how are you? What what is a work group in in the one that you are leading, and how is it structured? How are you getting these human beings together to work on this for over the course of uh, an extended period of time? So, a work group is essentially a, a group of teachers who want to work on a particular particular problem, a particular challenge. So, and in terms of recruiting for work groups, we simply uh, I'm running this for the London Thames Maths Hub. And also the London North East Maths Hub. I'm, I'm multitasking. Uh, so we just simply, to our mailing list, put, put out some information saying, we all know this is a problem. Uh, if we think back to the Ofsted report, the Wasted Years, a couple of years ago, and also the most more recent EEF report, the Education Endowment Foundation Research into Kito 2 to Kito 3 Progression in Mathematics. So a lot of people are aware it's something. And actually, uh, Nikki, the, the, the anecdote you, you tell about sort of year six children, so year seven children coming back to primary and, and going, uh, I, I was doing really well in math last year. Now it all seems to have gone wrong. Yeah, that resonated with, with lots of, of teachers in both secondary and primary. So we simply said to teachers in our areas, in our hub areas, here's a problem. Do you want to kind of get together and think about it? And that's and people have responded. So we have working probably with about uh, sort of six or seven schools in each of the two hubs. Sorry, six or seven pairs of schools, because very, very deliberately, very obviously, we wanted to work with, as it were, a feeder primary and a destination secondary. So, so, that, so, it may, so they really are talking about children who, who will be in both of their schools over time. Uh, structurally, what that means is we come together about once every half term. So there are sort of five, five meetings over the school year. The, the, the first half of the summer term is, is not a great time for meetings for, for obvious exam-related reasons, revision preparation reasons. And we get together for a, about an hour and a half, two hours. And the structure is that in the in each meeting, there will be 
uh, an activity, a task, uh, a, a thing we will look into. And I'll perhaps give an example of that in a moment. And then that leads into a gap task. And the gap task takes place in between the two workgroup meetings. And the gap task is something that the participating teachers go away and, and do in the gap. And then the next meeting, they come back and we start the next meeting by reflecting on the gap task. You know, what went well? Why? What didn't go well? Why? How do we know? And, and so what next? Uh, so, for example, with my work groups, the sequence of gap tasks, the very first gap task is, is to have a joint PD session. So, to, so for, the, for the primary maths lead and secondary maths lead to agree, it'd be really great if all say 20 of our teachers from both our schools had a joint professional development discussion around say bar modeling or, or reasoning sort of prompts for reasoning in in years five to year eight in in middle school mathematics and so they've been tasked to set this up they're going to go and do it and then when they come back in the next work group meeting they will talk about how that went both in terms of uh, the, the the knowledge the subject knowledge enhancement that was imparted through the professional development in the end do they think their teachers know more about say questioning for reasoning in in, in years five to eight but also how it felt working together did, did they feel that other teachers in the room wanted to do more of this collaborative cross-phase activity and and so there'll be a sort of as it were a sequence of of five meetings five gap tasks at the end of which there will be almost a sort of a handbook of things you can now go and do as a primary school and or as a secondary school to forge links with your, your, your opposite number, with your partner. So the picture you paint is, is, is absolutely is of a, an elongated period of professional development for all the participant teachers, uh, contrasting very starkly with, of course, the one-day workshop model, which has yes. been around the educational mm. landscape. Um, Nikki... Um, your model of work group, you mentioned you did one last year and mm -hmm. you're going to be doing this one, uh, continuity, a mm -hmm. little later this year. I'm sure it'll, it, it'll differ in detail with what Robert's just described, but it, it, is, it, is it also uh, focusing on a continuity of professional development uh, for a teacher uh, rather than something one-off? Yes, so we're going to do um, two and a half days uh, with get tasks in between as well. Uh, we're, ours isn't going to happen until summer two. Um, and second half of summer term, yeah. Second half of summer term. So, you know, much closer together. <clears throat> in fact, when we did last year, we did two days between the first thing. We won't do that this time. We're going to have a, um, a two, uh, yeah, two days, one day in a primary school, one day in a secondary school. Uh, with the gap task in between for them to um, actually work on some of the materials, try it out with their children. So we want we want uh, an activity being worked on with children in year in key phase two, and the same activity being um, trialled in key phase three, and then coming back and talking um, about that. We're all, we're also having. Um, lesson observations. So we're having whole days as opposed to Robert's um, hour and a half sessions. We're having whole days. So in the morning, um, participants will watch a lesson one day in year, in year six, probably, and the next uh, time it will be in year seven on multiplicative reasoning, um, looking at problem solving, looking at um, shared ideas, shared representations, um, the CPA aspects of things, and then spending the afternoons planning together, talking through the progression of, of, um, of that topic and activities they could use, activities that could be used in both key stages or does one come before another, what comes next, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we'll have a final twilight 
uh, where we sort of gather and share impact and uh, and plan for the future, I guess. Okay, thank you. Now, Alison, the, possibly the the hardest question here. There's across all of the all of the maths hubs, these work groups are go, going to be going on. Structurally, they're going to be differing, of course, but one hopes they're all going to be have this central theme of continuity of learning across these years. What do we hope nationally is going to come out of this project at the end of the the school year? We've set very clear outcomes which go run across all the work groups. Um, One word which features in in at least two of them is the word collaboration because we feel that we're going to get the most power, power out of this if we get primary and secondary colleagues working together. Um, We are hoping that they will set up systems of collaboration which will continue into the future so that these work groups won't be one-offs, that they will set up, see the power of working together and the benefits and be able to continue this way of working in future years. Um, And then on top of that, we're hoping that in some cases there will be some documentation uh, produced so it varies around the country as to how the work groups are made up because of geographical differences. So in some places it's a pair of schools, in some places it's one secondary with a number of representatives from a number of feeder primaries. So that varies um, um, widely across the country. But some of the plans are to produce progression documents which will sit both in the, in the primary and the secondary schools, some working on calculation policies, some working on progression in, say, an area like fractions, uh, some looking at a documentation which looks at the continuity in the use of particular representations. So bar models come into this. And again, as, as Nikki was then saying with her group about question prompts that prompt reasoning about mathematics in in many areas. So we're hoping that out of it come systems of collaboration which will continue into the future and documentation which allows schools to work in a continuous way across Key Stage 2 and on into Key Stage 3. And any, any, any documentation that Alison's just mentioned, of course will be published through the NCTM website once it's been, you know, quality assured and all those sorts of post-production uh, operations that have gone on so that uh, every teacher in every school in the country can benefit from that, of course, because, you know, it, there is, of course, a limit in the number of teachers who can physically participate in these uh, work groups across the country. Robert, did I understand you were going to give us another example of a... Uh, uh, you're looking at me scared now. Um, a particular fractiony type thing. You mentioned six or seven gap tasks. The first, which of which get together and have a joint PD meeting. Is there anything more purely mathematical you can give us? An example of of um, something that you suggest people work on in between the sessions. I didn't warn you of this, of course. So, um... uh, I think. We've talked, we've talked a lot. I will answer that question, but in a slightly roundabout way, if I may. Please do. Uh, we've talked a lot about continuity, and Nikki made a really important point, which I would like to emphasise uh, that continuity is not the same as repetition. Continuity is about sort of knowing where you've come from so that you can move forwards. And of course, ironically, we have a lot of repetition at the moment. We have a lot of children going into year seven doing the same as they did in, actually in year five, let alone in year six. Uh, and teachers sort of going, well, what, you know, what, why, why can't they do this? They obviously don't know this primary stuff. We have to do it all over again. And so we're, 
when we talk a lot about continuity, we we are we are talking about a a, a clear a, a clear progression, a clear journey that that the, that the learners are following, which of course will inevitably include some some looking back to where they've come from, but to, to do so to make sure they are they are flight ready for for you know for, for the journey ahead. I mean, yes yes, you check the the rucksack from primary is properly packed so that you can make the journey forwards and going on in, in key stage three. So. Uh, I, to come back now to your question, Steve, I think one thing I will be looking at with, with, my, with my, the teachers I'm working with in my work group is something that Alison mentioned earlier. It's about representations that, that are used. Uh, so when the children think of, say, um, what does a half plus a third look like, the teachers know what, 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 what comes to mind, know, know what, uh, what picture they instinctively visualise. Uh, know whether it's a, a useful picture, a, a powerful picture, or perhaps a limited picture, perhaps a restricted picture, and know how to build from there, particularly say if it is a, perhaps a, a, a slightly restricted picture, know how to build from there into one, one which is more powerful. I mean, I, I, what I, slightly what I'm circling around a bit is often children, if you give them a half plus a third, they draw a half of one cake and a third of another cake. And, and they don't, they haven't internalised it's a half plus a third of the same cake. Now, it, it's... It's it's wrong to say a half plus a third. Well, that's a half plus a third of two cakes. Uh, but the teacher needs to understand all of that uh, and understand w when you say a half plus a third, what's not said, what's implied, is that it's a half plus a third of the same whole. Now, that is actually quite deep, and that, so that's why it's occurred to me as, as an answer to your question that there's some, some sort of more mathematical discussion taking place. But if you're teaching your year seven class and, and they draw half of one cake and third of another cake, there's no point in saying that's wrong. You have to unpack what their thinking is, why they think that, uh, give them the, the, the challenge, well, doesn't that, that looks an awful lot to me like uh, you know, a, half, you know, a half being three sixths and a third being two sixths, five out of 12. So why is the answer not five twelfths? It's a great opportunity to unpack the misconception, which is uh, picking what Alison was saying about that sort of continuity of reasoning experiences, you know, agree or challenge, true or false, what's the same, what's different. Those questions work again and again and again in, e in every year group. Um, and so I think that we will be looking at misconceptions that children have about fractions, mm -hmm. not particularly worrying about where they come from. In no sense are we trying to lay blame at anyone's door. Children have misconceptions and identifying particularly those and bringing them to the surface and shining the, you know, the, the laser light on them to blow them up and blast them away so that they're no longer obstructing the journey. Misconceptions are not things you detour around. Misconceptions are things you have to, have to blast through. Right. Alison, you were... Yes, I, it, I was lucky enough to go along to one of Nikki's sessions that, that they ran in their hub last year and I sat next to a Key Stage 3 teacher and we talked about ratio and I was in the position where I'd, I was about two weeks out of my Year 6 class that I'd been teaching and what really occurred to me was that we were looking at these problems from different viewpoints. I was looking at it from the viewpoint of an upper key stage two teacher who was okay with SATs clearly in mind, but looking from the primary curriculum, we're looking at what they'd come up with from year from from key stage one that was I could build on to develop their understanding through primary. And this the teacher sitting next to me was looking at this with a very different viewpoint. She was looking at it with the viewpoint of someone preparing children later on for GCSE, looking at the maths from a different perspective. And when we managed to get our perspectives in line, then we had the, 
oh moments, mm. both of us, both for, as when I looked from her point of view, but when she looked then from my point of view. And I think one of the things that that I see with these work groups is that what we're hoping to do is to align those viewpoints for teachers so that key stage uh, secondary teachers can understand why we've been doing what we've been doing in primary and also that the primary teachers have an understanding of why perhaps that this has been done like this in secondary but maybe if we can get those viewpoints to be more shared then all the things that Robert and Nikki have been talking about about this continuity um, I think we've got to align viewpoints. Okay thank you we're I think we're approaching the end of our discussion if, if, if anybody's got anything burning they'd like to say or anything that important that I think that you think we've missed please uh, shout now um, otherwise I will I'll, I'll start to wrap up. I'll say thank you very much for listening to us talk about this national project, talking about fractions, talking about continuity. An account of this national project uh, is going to be in two places uh, that the NCTM produce in the near future. Firstly, the uh, Nash, the Maths Hubs magazine, which is called Bespoke, which is you can find on the NCTM website and on the National Maths Hubs programme website. And that they will have, in that article, there will be three or four examples of fractions tasks which might be given to years five, six, seven and eight and might just illustrate the sort of continuity of learning process that it would help a teacher to think about. And that will also be in the NCTM primary magazine. By the time you listen to this, both of those things will probably be published. Um, Alison and Robert both uh, tweet about their work um, nationally. Um, Alison, your Twitter identity is... She's looking at me thinking, I don't want to give that publicly, but you talk about maths a lot if you don't want to, I do. that's I think fine. It, I think it's uh, Alison Hopper 68. OK. And Robert? Uh, I tweet both as at mathshub underscore LT and at Atlas Maths. OK. And um, Robert is going to be working with the London Thames Maths Hub in this particular project. Nikki is going to be working with the London South West Maths Hub in this particular project. London South West Maths Hub, they'll be recruiting for this project later in the year. They tweet at the following identity, at LSW underscore hub. So... Um, it, what we would like you to do, of course, is to uh, listen to the other podcasts which the NCT have been producing. We're trying to do, in fact, we are doing now two podcasts every half term. You can um, uh, download them on the NCTM website, but the best thing to do is to subscribe to our podcast, which you can do by various, various different means on your smartphone. But the beauty of subscription is that you don't have to pay anything, but you do automatically get notifications every time uh, a new podcast pops up. So I will say thank you very much indeed for listening and uh, there will be another podcast uh, from the NCTM very soon but for the time being, goodbye. <laughs>